Hello and welcome to this Christmas Day service from St Andrew the Great. We're a church right in the middle of Cambridge. And together with Jesus' followers all over the world today, we're celebrating his coming into the world that first Christmas. You're so welcome. God is real and God is good. Glory to God in the highest. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother. Praise to you, O Christ. We're going to open this morning with a psalm that Anglicans have been saying for something like 500 years on Christmas Day. It's the 98th psalm. It's a psalm full of joy. And after that, we're going to follow it with uh, Isaac Watts' great carol, Joy to the World. So let's say this psalm, Psalm 98, together. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our gods. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's sing to the Lord a joyful song in the words of our first carol. Please stand.
The reading is from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 to 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Let's pray together. The Lord is holy and faithful, and we're not, so let's confess our sins together. Heavenly Father, at that first Christmas, you sent Jesus into the world to be our saviour. So as we remember his birth, we confess our sins. Please forgive us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And hear these wonderful words of comfort and confidence for Christians. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you so much that you sent Jesus as our Saviour. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus was promised for so long beforehand, and that he brings your salvation, forgiveness of sins, peace with you, hope forever, and life in all its fullness, now and eternally. Thank you for the true hope that Jesus, our Emmanuel, brings. And so, Lord, we pray for your good news of your gospel to go out this Christmas in our world and in our nation, in the places where we live, our communities, families, and neighbourhoods. We pray, Lord, that people would come to see the good news that Jesus offers, the true salvation that he brings, and would turn to him in repentance and faith for true life. As we pray for our nation, Lord God, we pray for our King and our Prime Minister, and for all those who make decisions at a local and national level. At a difficult time for many, and with many complex decisions to be made and worked through, we pray, Father God, that you would give them great wisdom, compassion, integrity, and love as they govern. Please, Lord, help them to make wise, just, and merciful decisions. Please, Lord, would they have your priorities of caring for the weak and the vulnerable, looking out for those who most need help. Please, would they look to the sacrificial, servant leadership of the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, as they rule. And we pray that particularly, Lord God, as we face a cost of living crisis in our nation. Lord, we pray for wise and loving decisions from our leaders. Lord, we pray that in your kindness you would provide for people's needs. Lord, we pray particularly for those feeling afraid and anxious, for those unable uh, to, to bear the cost of things. Please, Lord, would they look to you for help and would you provide just what they need. We pray, Lord, for a generous spirit among your people, knowing how abundantly generous you are to us. Would that stir us, Lord, to show your love and generosity to those around us? Finally, Heavenly Father, we pray for ourselves this Christmas time. 
We've sung of the joy that Jesus brings to the world, yet we acknowledge that many of us won't be feeling very joyful at this time. We pray, Lord, that you would bring comfort to those who are hurting, love to those who are grieving, peace to those who are divided, and hope to those who are fearful. We praise you, God, that you are the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from you. And we pray all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. We'll end by praying the collect for Christmas Day. Almighty God, who gave us your only Son to take our nature upon him and to be born of a virgin, grant that we, who are born again in him and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us now pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let's sing our next carol together. Unto us is born a son.
Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. That's cool, isn't it? God's done lots of speaking, but in Jesus, he speaks with a full stop. Our next song is a song for all ages, so whether you're 9 or 99, see if you can join in with the actions.
So I'm reading from John 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I wonder what the best thing about Christmas Day is for you. Perhaps it's the food. I don't know whether you've already eaten your Christmas meal or whether it's coming a little bit later. Maybe it's the presents. You may have heard that story of the little boy who really wanted a new shiny red bike for Christmas. So as the school nativity scene is being set up in his primary school classroom, he sneakily takes the little figurine of Mary and puts it in his pocket. That evening, he kneels beside his bed and prays. Jesus, I'd kidnap your mum. If you want to see her again, you'd better give me that bike. Now, many of us aren't shallow enough to actually want the presents for Christmas. I was rooting around in the Christmas decoration box as we were putting things up this year and found a negative lateral flow test from last year. I think that is what's best about Christmas, isn't it? Relationships. What makes Christmas special is who we're with, right? It's also what makes it the hardest time of year and the darkest for those spending Christmas alone. If that's you as you're tuning into this service, then please know that you are especially welcome. It's the relationships too that make Christmas a dark time of year when those are broken and fractured or perhaps bereaved loved ones or remembered relationships are what comes into mind. But the best thing about Christmas is not getting something, but being with someone. All the greatest Christmas songs and movies understand this, don't they? Think of The Grinch, or Klaus, the kid's Christmas film, or Love Actually, or even Mariah Carey's ubiquitous, enduring classic, All I Want for Christmas is You. She's get it. She gets it, doesn't she? What gives Christmas meaning? is being with the people that we love. That's what makes it so special. And in fact, that's not just true of Christmas. Relationships are what make all of life worth living. I wonder if you've ever stopped to ask 
why it is that we care so much about relationships. For some, they're just a meaningless byproduct of the evolutionary process. It's all ultimately meaningless. Love, actually, is simply the product of the human brain, and brains are the product of ultimately explainable phenomena. Well, way to spoil the Christmas cheer. For Christians, relationships have a deeper meaning because there is a creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the center of all existence is an eternal relationship of love. It's not just something that we project onto reality. Sure, science and the brain can help us understand them. But there is an eternal relationship at the heart of everything that is real. The message of Christmas is actually very simple. There is a God, and he wants you to know that you are loved more than you can possibly imagine. He longs to bring you back into relationship with him. God's made us for relationships, and he stepped into the world in the person of his son to win us back. Now, you may be a reluctant watcher of this online service. Perhaps you're watching from the corner of the room behind a book or a phone and just sort of half listening in. Well, if that's you, you're very, very welcome. And you may be thinking, oh, the Christmas stuff, it's a nice story, sure, especially for the kids. But how can you really believe all that stuff about God and the star and the baby and the manger and the shepherds and things? It feels nice, but is it true? Well, don't let the familiarity of the Christmas story hide its gripping reality. I heard about one um, scholar, an academic, who was phoned up by a well-known national broadcaster in the UK. And they said, we need a New Testament expert, an ancient historian, to come onto our program and tell us that the birth narratives in the Bible about Jesus probably never happened. And this man, in his response on the phone, said, well, what if I actually came on and said, from a historical perspective, there's quite a reasonable chance that they did happen. There was a pause on the phone. And the reply came, oh, I'm not quite sure that's what our producer was looking for. And that was the end of the conversation. But the thing is, the authors of the gospel accounts all want us to know that this really happened. And when you stop and think about it, its reality is astonishing. Think about what's actually claimed. That an unexpected teen pregnancy in some backwater village in the Roman Empire, we're still talking about it today, almost 2,000 years later, or over 2,000 years later, Surely that's the most remarkable and unbelievable thing about Christmas. Look, if you're listening in and you're a reluctant listener, if you care about relationships, whether you're able to see people in person this year or whether you're not, I'd love to invite you for just a moment to doubt your doubt, to suspend your disbelief. Could this be more than just a fairy tale? Because if it's true, then Jesus makes all the difference in our dark and lonely world. We're going to look very briefly at that most recent reading that we heard from John chapter 1. The Gospel of John is different from the other Gospels. He starts way earlier than Mary and the shepherds and the stars. Let me read again verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word 
is another name for Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. But the claim is not just that Jesus is the God who made everything. It's even more astonishing than that. A little little later in the reading, it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's the climax of this first chapter, and it's absolutely bonkers. This is the claim. Unlike all other world religions, Jesus is not some God enthusiast, a prophet, a nice man with moral teaching. That little baby in the manger who we celebrate at Christmas was the one who made the galaxies. Jesus Christ, this is the claim of the Bible, is God himself, God with skin on. The author of the story has written himself in. And for Christians, this becomes the central fact of all of history. The uncreated creator of everything that exists has come into the world and wants relationship with us. I'm sure you heard in the news last year about Storm Arwen. And there was a a pub up in North Yorkshire called the Tan Hill Inn, where 61 people, one dog, and an Oasis tribute band called Noasis were trapped by the storm and the snow. Now, depending on how you're wired, that's either the best party ever or your worst nightmare. Fortunately, though, Mountain Rescue were able to reach them and, and kind of drop some medical supplies and food and things for people who needed it. And after a few days, the snow melted away and they were able to go. But I want you to imagine that being trapped in the Tan Hill Inn is all you've ever known. And with your 60 other friends, one day you try and work out a little bit more about the world around you and the mysterious person who keeps leaving medication every week. There are little clues. As you peer out of the window, you can see footprints in the snow. And you know somehow that they're involved in the kind of mountain rescue operation. But often there's heated discussion in the pub at night as you try and work out what this person's like. One friend, oh, he's a, he must be a long-distance marathon runner. The other, oh, I think he's, an, he's a gnarly old Yorkshire farmer. But then one day, there's a knock at the door. Hi, I, I just thought I'd introduce myself. And it turns out that she is a friendly GP and a mum of two who started volunteering with Mountain Rescue one day a week because she really likes Oasis. That's kind of like what's going on here, although forgive the slightly silly illustration. Verse 18 No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. We can guess all we like about what God is like, but with Jesus, it's like God comes knocking at the door. It means, I think, that we should listen to what he says. Have you ever heard of the kind of, I like to think of Jesus as, or my version of Jesus would never do this or that? But the Christmas story puts an end to making God in our own image. Here he is. He's shown up and interrupted our lives. Jesus Christ makes God known. But it's not just that. Jesus Christ shines a light in our darkness. This is verse 5. Have a look at verse 5 or listen to verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, we're used to this kind of light and dark imagery, aren't we? Think Star Wars or or something like that. The good and the evil on opposing sides. On one side, all the baddies, and on the other, all the goodies. And we think, oh, goodness, I'm so glad that light has come, because this world really is a dark place. We know that, don't we? 
This year, our newsfeed has been filled with one dark story after another. The ongoing impact of COVID around the world, the cost of living crisis, war in Europe. Many of us know the darkness much more personally in the circumstances of our own lives. But the shock of the Bible is that as well as the darkness out there, Jesus has come to deal with the darkness in here. If we're honest, we know what he means, right? It's why we confessed our sins together in the service earlier. A recent survey I heard about revealed that on Christmas Day, the average family will have five arguments. And according to the survey, on average, the first one has happened by 10.15 in the morning. I don't know whether that describes the household or the place that you live in. We value our relationships. They're the most important thing about Christmas. And yet at the same time, we can't help but hurting those we love the most. There is a darkness in here. And the Bible says that both the mess and darkness out there and the darkness in each one of us is what happens when we turn away from the God that we're designed to relate to. Verse 11 from John chapter 1. He came, Jesus came, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Imagine you're throwing an amazing Christmas party for all your friends. You've laid the presents out neatly. You put a nice Spotify playlist on, all the food's there, and you invite your friend to come in. But instead of saying thanks, they barge past. They unwrap all of your presents, they change the Spotify playlist to their own tracks, and they eat all of the food just for themselves. They completely ignore you. How do you think you'd feel? Pretty upset, I'd imagine. Well, in some ways, that's like how humans have treated God, according to the Bible. We live in the world that he's made as if he just doesn't exist. We deserve the darkness that surrounds us. It makes sense. Turn off the God of all light and life. What you get is darkness. But that is not the end of the story. The light shines in the darkness. God pursues, he runs after relationship with his runaway world. One of the biggest news stories from a few years ago was the rescue of 12 teenagers from a cave in Thailand. Do you remember that? Just earlier this year, Netflix produced a six-part series, um, kind of describing it as a bit of a documentary. They'd gone exploring with their coach and got trapped underground when water came in and started filling up, and they were forced to go deeper and deeper into the darkness. For over two weeks, this group of boys were stuck underground. They tried to dig themselves out, but they were so deep, it was impossible. There was nothing that they could do to help themselves. What they needed was rescue. I mean, can you imagine that? 18 days of cold, damp darkness. And then the flood of relief, as you see a head emerge from the water with the kind of flashlight on, it, on top. A noise, a diver, a light. And the footage of it, actually, that someone recorded the first that moment of meeting, is amazing. The man says... How many of you guys will get you out? It's an amazing moment. We'll get you out. Jesus Christ, the God who pursues relationship with us, the light that shines in the darkness, came to earth to rescue sinners. And this makes all the difference in the world. The light Jesus shines is not just a temporary fix, like the Christmas lights around your city, which will be down again in a few weeks' time. It's a full-scale search and rescue operation 
This, for me, is the best thing about Christmas. Jesus shines light in our darkness to bring us back into relationship with God. So if your Christmas does feel particularly dark and lonely this year, or whether you've just tuned in on this service to max out on the Christmas feel-good vibes, or if you're still watching reluctantly from the corner of the room, I hope that you come to know the joy and light of relationship with Jesus this year. The Word become flesh. Jesus is the Word of the Father appearing in flesh on Christmas Day. Join us for our final carol.
May the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child be yours this Christmas. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.